to have a decision whether I want to be able to feel comfortable or see you. I'm going to go with feel comfortable. So I know who you are, where you sit. But hey, it's really good to be here. We're continuing our series on the life of Joseph entitled Life and Times. And we've been following this man, Joseph. And it's been really good for me. You know, I've known this story since I was a little kid. But, but to dig in and find out some details and some things that God really wants us to teach through this. And, uh, and so I'm excited. If you're uh, joining with us on the internet, uh, uh, what do we call that? Live stream. I'm almost 50 years old, so I, I forget those things. But live stream still doesn't make sense to me, but it's crazy. We're glad you're here. Uh, come join us sometime. But uh, today I've entitled my mes- message, Brothers. And I know a little bit about brothers. I have two older brothers. I called my, my, second, my next oldest brother. Uh, his birthday was last week. And, and I told him I love him, and, and I do. But there were some times growing up, it's pretty rough at the, at the Henry house. I'm living this over again. But, it, you know, it, it, it was rough. And uh, we, uh, you know me, I, I, I'm competitive. I like to win. And uh, we played Monopoly a lot. Uh, and uh, I was good at Monopoly. I, uh, I, my strategy, if you ever, you want, my strategy is light blue, uh, Vermont, uh, Connecticut, and uh, um, uh, Oriental Avenue. So you, you pass go, you get $200, then you land on my property, you give it to me. Easy to build up. So I, I, I won a lot at Monopoly. And my brothers didn't like it. They were older and smarter, supposedly. So they, they, they didn't like it, but they knew how to get at me as brothers. What they would do to me is they would accuse me of cheating. They said, you're, you're taking money out of the bank. You choose to be the banker. Well, they made me be the banker. So I, would, I, I, I did not cheat. I promise, I was not a cheater. But they would get me so worked up when they were losing and they were hopelessly behind that I would flip over the Monopoly board. And then they would say, game over, you lose. And I'd be like, oh, brothers. Now, they never threatened to sell me into slavery, but they might have thought about it. And I have three brothers at my house. They're here today, one on the camera, two up here, and it's hard sometimes. It's hard. And again, I haven't heard an actual overt claim to want to sell a brother into slavery, but I've heard some things. Uh, Brothers. But when we get older... We grow and we grow up. And this story this morning uh, is, is, is about that. You know, I'd like to think that, that, the, that the Kurt and Tina Henry family is pretty functional. Uh, it's difficult, but functional. And, the, and, my, and my family growing up was functional. This family here we're talking about, they put the dis in dysfunctional. It's like the real housewives of Haran. It's crazy. I mean, if you read this story, this is not a kid-friendly story. If you go back a few chapters, two wives... Kids by those wives, uh, two servants, kids by those servants, 12 boys and a girl, poor Dinah, this young, young lady who lived in that house. Um, Jacob had one family that he wanted with Rachel and another family with Leah, not, not so much. And so you can understand, you can understand the favoritism and the jealousy And they wanted to kill Joseph and they sold him into slavery, lies and deceit to cover it up. And they lived like that for 23 years. And then the famine comes and they make a trip to Egypt. They get food. They have to leave a brother, go home. They're told to bring back Benjamin. And so here we are. It's the second trip for food. 
You know, some people are thinking Joseph is hard on his brothers, but, but I think Joseph needs to know. This is a test. Will my brothers treat my little brother Benjamin the same way that they treat me? Or do I need to rescue him from their hands? Have my brothers grown up? My brothers did grow up, and I'm praying that my boys grow up. Have these brothers grown up? Benjamin wants to know, or Joseph wants to know. So it's the final test. Let's go to Genesis chapter 44. We're just going to kind of walk through it this morning. Now Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of his house. Fill the men's sack with as much food as they can carry. And put each man's silver back in the mouth of his sack. Just like before, they're not going to have to pay for this silver. They get to take that silver home. Then put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack, along with the silver for his grain. And he did as Joseph said. He wanted to find out, will they treat Joseph the same way they treated me throughout life? And as morning dawned, the men were sent on their way with their donkeys. Trent said, you know, a couple weeks ago, like they were concerned, are they going to take our donkeys? No, they still have their donkeys. We know. It's important. They had not gone far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, go after those men at once, and when you catch up with them, say to them, why have you repaid evil with good? Isn't this the cup my master drinks from and also uses for divination? This is a wicked thing you have done, divination. The the Egyptians practiced this. They would would pour uh, wine into the cup and then they would stare into it. Try this at, I don't know, it's kind of weird. They would stare into it and get themselves into a trance. And they, then however the bubbles or the oils or whatever would, would separate, they, they felt like they could tell the future by doing that. Now, I don't believe Joseph told the future that way, but he had this cup and he wanted them to know this is an important cup to me and you stole it. It was a bad thing, you can tell. <laughs> when he caught up with them, he repeated these words to them, the steward. But they said to them, why does my Lord say such things? They were saying, we're not thieves. How dare you accuse us of being thieves? You know, we may have sold our brother into slavery. We, we threatened to kill him. We, we lied to our dad, but we're not thieves. Far be it from your servants to do anything like that. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver we found inside the mouths of our sacks. Last time, we brought that back. So we're honest people. So why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of your servants is found to have it, he will die. And the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves. The brothers are so convinced that they don't have it. They lay down the penalty. They say, whoever has it, if, some, if one of these brothers has that cup in his sack, that brother will die. And the rest of us, we will become your master's slaves. The steward says these words. Very well then, he said, let it be as you say. Whoever is found to have it, they will be my master's slave. And the others can go free. I was reading this yesterday at the kitchen table and talking to Micah about it a little bit, preparing for the message. And when I read it, he, he looked at me like, what? That's not what he said. Did you get it? The steward said, whoever has the cup, he will die. And whoever... And whoever, and the others will, go, will, will uh, go into slavery. But the steward says, no, whoever has the cup, he'll go into slavery and the rest of you get to go free. It's this 
hint of the mercy that's coming to them. Each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. And then the steward proceeded to search, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. You can sense the, the tension building. They start with the old, And I'm thinking, you know, they're convinced they're innocent. They did not steal it. Benjamin is saying, I didn't take it. I didn't take it. I didn't take it. So they're going down. And every sack, nope, nothing there, nothing there. Well, they get to the end one. Now, are they starting to get nervous because he keeps looking? Or, or are they still pretty sure that there's nothing there? And there it is. The passage says, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Oh no. Oh no. And they tore their clothes. In their culture, to tear your clothes is a sign of, 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 of despair, of, of, of just sadness. They tore their clothes. Now, 23 years earlier, 23 years old, earlier, they had taken their brother's cloak. And they had dipped it in the blood of an animal. And my guess is that they tore it up a little bit. They tore up their, clo their brother's cloak to say, oh, he's been killed by an animal. But now they tear their clothes because they know Benjamin is going to become a slave. Then they all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. There's another thing. The steward had said, the rest of you, you can go free. Do they choose to go free? Yeah, 23 years ago, they, they left their brother to be taken away as a slave, and they went home. This time, they're staying. They're staying. We're not going to abandon our brother. So they go back to the city. Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they threw themselves to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, what is this that you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? Now, he didn't use the cup. He didn't stare into the, to the liquid, but he did use the cup. He put it in a bag. He was looking to find out, what are my brother's hearts like? What are their hearts like? Judas replied, Judah replied, what can we say to my Lord? What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. He just said, how can we prove our innocence and, and yet God has uncovered your servant's guilt? He's not talking about the cup. He's saying, God has uncovered our guilt. We sold our brother into slavery. We lied to our father and for these 23 years, we've, we've left him for dead. And all of this is happening because God is, God is at work in this. He says, we are now my Lord's slaves. We ourselves and the one who was found to have the cup. We're in this together. But Joseph said, far be it from me to do such a thing. Only the man who was found to have the cup will become my slave. Are you okay with leaving your brother in slavery? He says, the rest of you go back to your father in peace. But for them, there will be no peace. Then Judah said, to him, please, my Lord, let your servant speak a word to my Lord. Do not be angry with your servant. Though you are equal to Pharaoh himself, you could have me killed even just for speaking. My Lord asked his servants, you asked us, do you have a father or a brother? And we answered, we have an aged father, and there is a young son born to him in his old age. 
His brother is dead, and he is the only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, bring him down here to me so I can see him for myself. And we said to my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father. If he leaves him, his father will die. But you told your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. You won't get any more food. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him what my Lord had said. Then our father said, go back and buy a little more food. But we said, we can't go down. Only if our younger brother is with us will we go. We cannot see the man's face unless our younger brother, our youngest brother is with us. And your servant, my father, said to us, you know my wife bore me two sons. Still this hint here. He had 12 sons. But he says, my wife bore me two sons. He's still got a little bit of that favoritism going on. One of them went away from me and I said, he has surely been torn to pieces and I have not seen him since. If you take this one from me too and harm comes to him, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in misery. So now if the boy is not with us, when I go back to your servant, my father, and, my, and if my father whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life sees that the boy isn't here, he will die because he's his second favorite. Your servants will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant, your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. He's been bearing the blame. He's been bearing the guilt for 23 years. And now it's starting to work in his heart. He's saying, I cannot do this to my father. Now then, please. Let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy. Let me take his place and let the boy return home with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come upon my father. So we see this amazing transformation in Judah. He goes from one who would sell his brother into slavery to being one who would lay down his life for his brother. In John 10, Jesus says these words. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come, says Jesus, that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, says Jesus. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for my sheep. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus says, I lay down my life for my sheep. I don't know if you know this, but that Jesus, the one who laid down his life for us, his sheep. One of the names we have for that Jesus is the Lion of Judah. Why do we call him the Lion of Judah? It's because of his forefather. This Judah right here is is Jesus. Great, 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 great. Uh, It's like 50, depending on, there's, there's genealogies in Matthew and in Luke, and they're a little bit different. But it's, it's, it's a lot of generations. But, but Judah is the father. David is of the line of Judah. 
And Jesus is the, of the line of David. And so this is his ancestor who is showing a sign, a symbol of what Jesus will do for us. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friend. And Judah says, I am going to lay down my life for my brother. I have seen the grief of my father. I don't want my father to lose another one. You hear those words of Jesus. Those that my father has given me are in my hand and, and, and I, I, he does not want to lose any of them. Our father wants us to be with him. And so Jesus laid down his life. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. He says, I laid down my life and I want you to lay down yours. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's our life. That's what we're supposed to be doing is laying our lives down for others. One of our core values here at Community is less self. We say we're supposed to give up and prefer others above ourselves. That's one of the reasons we want to do an event like Trunk or Treat tonight. We want to, we want to, we want to give of ourselves for our community. We want to prefer people over ourselves. Even if it's raining tonight, we're going to be out here tonight giving out candy to, to greet our neighbors. We're supposed to lay down our lives. Less self. Now, you know, I've, I've told you, one of the places I struggle. I'm a selfish person. I struggle. One of the places I struggle is behind the wheel of my car. We've talked about this. It's one of the places where self comes out. I like my way. It's my road. All these kind of things. Well, I want to tell you, one of the scariest places on earth for me in a car is the drop-off line at New Groningen Elementary School. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Anybody go through that line this week? Um, there are rules, people. There are rules. Right? If you're, if, if you're going to just drop your kids off, you go on this line. And you go and you, and you stop and you push your kids out and you shut the door and you go. And we, we have people, to, we have places to go, people to see, things to do, right? And so lots of mornings I've been bringing Jason, his friend, to, to school and we get in that line and they can tell you, I get frustrated because inevitably, I'm going to pick on them, it's usually a mom because they're more caring than we are, she'll stop and then she'll get out of the car no, you can't get out of your car. She goes around the car to the other side, opens the door and lets her kid out, gives her a hug and sends her on. I talked to the principal this week and I apologize to the principal if she, she's here sometimes. I don't know if she's here. I'm, I was wrong. That's not the attitude I'm supposed to have. What if that mother was having a rough day and the little girl was crying and she just needed a hug to be able to make it through the day? The 10 seconds that I have to wait extra, I can, we can probably, we'll be okay, right? Maybe she's got a baby in the car and she can't park and walk in. I, we never know what's going on in the lives of other people. And Jesus says, just lay down your life for them. Now that's a little thing. 
But there's all kinds of things like that. We're the people of God. We're supposed to have eyes for our brothers and sisters. We're supposed to lay down our lives for our brothers. We're supposed to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. We live in a, it's a crazy world and people are starting to see each other as adversaries rather than brothers and sisters. We saw it yesterday in, in Pittsburgh. What is going on? People are seeing other children of God as adversaries. Even if, yeah, we may have different ideas, different viewpoints, different, different political viewpoints, but we are brothers and sisters and we have to stop getting angry with one another. We have to have the mind of Jesus and lay down our lives. And how do we get there? We have to be transformed. Jesus says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And so that Kurt who wants to get all upset in his car and needs that extra 15 seconds, so what, so I can get to work earlier? I mean, it's fun to be here, but really, I'm, we're going to be okay. Lay down your life for your brothers. We need to be changed. And how are we changed? You know, usually we're changed through the circumstances of life, through famine, through hardship, through pain, through struggle. I don't know what you're going through. You can either get upset and shake your fist at God and think, oh, my gray head is going to go down to the grave. Or you, can, or you can say what Jacob said at the very end before he sent his sons off. And we often miss this. Go back to 43, chapter 43, verse 13. He says to the boys, take your brother also, that's Benjamin, and go back to the man at once. And then he says these words, and may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man so that he will let your other brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, if I am bereaved, I'm bereaved. He's come to grips with the fact that God Almighty, that is the same God Almighty, El Shaddai, that just a few chapters earlier in Genesis 17 said, I, God Almighty, I, El Shaddai, I am your God and you are my people. And I will make my covenant between me and you. And you, I will be your God and you will be my people. God is saying, I will take care of you. I will take care of you. I will love you. I will get you through this. And I believe that at the end of his life, Jacob finally said, that's right. No matter what happened to my wife, to my son, to my other son, God Almighty, may God Almighty get, grant you mercy before that man. If I get my sons back, I get my sons back. If I don't, God is still Almighty. So the father was changed. We see these brothers change from brothers who sold their brother into slavery to brothers who would lay down their lives for him. People of God, God wants to transform you into those kind of people, the kind of people that will lay down their lives. We sang it, make me a vessel. Make me a vessel this week. And so I want to just challenge you to have the eyes and the heart of Jesus this week, to look around you and see where is God saying? If you listen, he will whisper. If you buzz through your day, we forget it. But if you'll listen, God will whisper in those moments and tell you where he wants you to go, tell you what he wants you to do, and tell you how to have less of yourself and more of him. God is working out the details of his plan. Romans 8, 28 says, For we know that in all things 
God works for the good. It doesn't say all things are good, but in all things, God will work for the good of those who love him, those who have been called according to his purpose. We have been called according to his purpose. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Father, make us vessels. Bring new wine out of us. Lord, what normally is in us is is selfishness. It's looking at others and seeing adversaries or problems and not seeing brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to love our brothers. Even if we see favoritism, even if we see arrogance, even if we see things in our brothers that we don't like, Lord, teach us how to love. Help us to lay down our lives for our brothers. Help us to be the people you call us to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. He laid down his life so we would be set free. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance. That's a look on God's face. May God smile at you and give you peace. Go in peace. And all about God's people said, amen. Amen.